Hello and welcome to the ETPHD Mentoring Podcast, the business podcast that will help you grow your business and yourself within a flourishing and healthful life, whatever that looks like for you. Like, share and subscribe to the pod for the ultimate good karma and reach out to us with any questions that you have. The details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number seven of the ETPHD Mentoring Podcast with myself and Anna. Hi Anna, how are you? Hello, I am all good, thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm also all good, thanks. I'm enjoying your lovely lemon vest today. It's very summery. Thanks so much. I, uh, I've i had a few calls today and a uh, guest podcast. And when I'm on someone else's podcast, I'm pretty chill with ours now. But when I'm on someone else, I still get the sweat. So I'm not going to lie. Like, it's been delightful. <laughs> I didn't realize that that happened to you, so. Oh. It, it's one of those things that like, I don't feel those anxious feelings like I used to, but I can tell you, I was like wearing a hoodie. I was like, this is not going to work. Not going to work. Why is anxious sweat different to all other sweat? It's like it's you sweat when you're not hot and it smells like funny. It smells like. It's like, not It's not the BO smell. It's something. It's, um, <laughs> I know I'm painting a really delightful picture right now, but you're welcome to this honesty and authenticity. (laughs) It smells a bit like poo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I'm not going to check myself right now, but... (laughs) Can't wait to smell you at IFS. (laughs) Oh, let's not go there. (laughs) You won't be the only one. There'll just be a waft of poo smelling. (laughs) (laughs) anxiety sweat is the worst and please this one does not rightly so give you anxiety sweat anymore so that's fantastic yeah we've come a long way we have okay let's get cracking on the questions do you want to go first sure thing any tips for training and nutrition for someone who has endometriosis i have a new client she is training in person with me but she's in pain all the time i just hate seeing her like that I'm working on a lot of mobility and core with her as her back slash lower body is very, very stiff. It's, do you know what's really frustrating about endometriosis is that everyone talks about PCOS and everyone talks about menstrual cycle and and nobody really talks of that much about endometriosis. And I think that one of the reasons is because there isn't actually a hell of a lot that you can do to support it. Um in terms of training, it sounds like you're doing the right things and just, you know, making space for the fact that some days it will be potentially extremely painful and other days not so much and just working around that. And that's the most important thing in terms of diet and nutrition. Mediterranean style diet. Realistically, an anti-inflammatory style diet, which is the Mediterranean style diet, seems to be the most logical option, but there isn't a lot of evidence in any sense around any endometriosis. Um making sure that they're supplementing with omega-3 um, and there's some some research around like consumption of cruciferous vegetables so you know that supplement dim that's like a yes. famous yes. with the skinny girls um, yes. <laughs> like it's it, the these cruciferous vegetables are have uh, contain um, the similar sort of what's what I'm looking for compound and um, which might help potentially it has some impact on estrogen and like that might help um 
And then just usual things like being mindful of ultra-processed foods, particularly things like trans fats, which you don't really get in the UK anyway. I don't think you get at all in the UK. Um, alcohol consumption. And that's kind of it. Mm. I mean, I think with training in person, absolutely focusing on mobility and core, but maybe having that conversation at the start of each session as to, okay, well, how are you feeling today? in terms of energy, in terms of pain. And you might have kind of three different styles of session that you work through in that ones are completely normal in that sense, training session when she's feeling good in herself. There might be a slightly modified version if she's not feeling 100%. And there might be some sessions where you do just focus on mobility and core because anything else feels a bit too much. Mm. And another thing I would say is that is an EIQ staple. So if you haven't done EIQ, like that type of question is the type of thing we do on EIQ every single week um, and within the content. So highly recommend if you haven't already. Okay, how to know when to put your prices up? I keep thinking about how much I charge, which is about £150 per month. But if I break it down, it's about £30 a week. And that's the same as what a PT would charge for an hour a week. And I provide so much more support. But at the same time, I feel greedy if I charge more. I feel like I wouldn't deserve it. Oh, not been there before. <laughs> I mean, I think you've answered your own question there in you can recognize that you provide a lot more support and a lot more value than a 30 pound in-person PT session. And you also need to consider all of the knowledge and experience you built over the years because a client update might only take you 20 minutes, but it's taken you five years to get to that point and build that efficiency. So actually it's not greed to ask for what you deserve yeah um realistically work out your hourly rate is everyone should know their hourly rate and it amazes me sometimes when I ask people and they're like oh I don't actually know because especially when you start doing other things like maybe you're doing speak speaking for people or webinars and things like that you don't you just can't just don't just want to pull a number out of thin air you should know roughly what your hourly rate is um so that is one thing that you should definitely work out um it sometimes it can be quite useful to have like a predetermined set point of okay when I reach this then I will increase my prices because then you don't have so much like waffle room to kind of think oh maybe I should maybe I shouldn't I've got this fear maybe you say okay well when I reach you know 30 clients that's when I'm going to increase my prices for example and of course there's going to be a limit to that you're not always going to keep doing that based on potentially the people that you want to help um unless you want to be a high ticket coach which fine do what you want to do um so of course there's you have to use your logic in it um but something that I was speaking to one of the girls that I work with and she won't mind me saying this the other week about is you know you she charges less than a lot of people or some people within that same space and said okay well what you're saying is you value yourself less you value your product and your service and your coaching as less than other people's and it's not so much about comparison but it's more about okay when you say that out loud is that valid do you think that you're worse than everyone else or you're lesser value than everyone else because that's the message you also send to people as well 
you know, think like, let's use a food example. Heinz tomato ketchup. I I will not really buy store tomato ketchup because there is a difference between those two. Heinz is better. However, something else. Mm, what do I like that's Aldi? I can't think, right? Aldi yogurt. I will buy that over expensive Greek yogurt any day because it's just as delicious. But when you're looking at prices, you do automatically think, well, I'll, I'll, I'll just have to try, I'll try the cheaper one, but I expect it to be worse. And if it's not, then great. So think of, just think about how you're positioning yourself. And if it's a self-worth thing, think, okay, well, is that the way that I want to act? Is that the way that I want to run my business? Is that the way that I want to live my life? Do I want to live in the way of saying I'm worth less than other people? Also, I think it's important to note not to have, uh, no, not to be afraid to have that conversation with, you know, the clients that you've had for years and years that you, you're you now charging a little bit more. Don't be afraid to have that conversation because they've stayed with you and they clearly like you and value you. So I would keep that in mind as well, as that is a conversation I've had a few times this week. Mm. Also, I get emails all the time from like, bt or whoever actually i don't have a beautiful knife on my own but you know version oh that's you're, you're about to have a price increase you're like oh great but you can't you're doing it about it. like and this is like look, listen when you increase your prices you don't have to increase the prices of the people you work with you might just do it for new clients there's always an option um when do you know if it's time to refer out binge eating client if you feel like you can't support them anymore I think, of course, if someone meets the DSM criteria for binge eating disorder, or you think that they might, immediately refer out to someone like Rosalind. Um, if you're unsure, or it feels, you know, it feels like I'm not quite sure how to, how to coach this person, refer out. Um, we have an ATPHD referral scheme where you can you can. And put in the details on the website you can put in details whether or not you've spoken to a client or not it doesn't actually matter and you can have a discussion with a coach one of us that kind of helps you with that um it's hard because I had this conversation with someone else that I work with who said you know I want to work in disorder and but what more qualifications do I need and I said technically she's done EIQ she's really she's a great coach so technically you don't need any more qualifications really it's sometimes what's frustrating is that a lot of the time people who ask this question this comes from a lack of confidence and actually it's like Dunning Kruger the people that have loads of confidence in what they're doing actually shouldn't be working with people because they've not done an EIQ and they've not they're not remotely like they've done their PT and that's it so why are you working with people with disorder in um and these people are often the ones who are more confident and I mean, like, you know, the ones that use transformation pictures to talk about Benji and as an example. Um, and the people that are asking this question, they're probably relatively clued up on things and um, it's more their confidence and actually they could really help that person. So you think you have to be honest with yourself in terms of like the extent of it and and have you, have you got a lot of tools to support them and have you used those tools? Mm. Again, if you haven't done EIQ, this is an EIQ question. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And I, I guess as well, like there can be those times where even when you start working with someone and you feel comfortable in supporting their relationship with food, like, there will be times where they might go through a bit of a rough patch. And like you were saying, in terms of the confidence, that's when we go, oh, no, I can't 
I can't do this and actually okay well maybe I can and maybe we just need to explore what's going on like have you had that conversation with them Mm. what are your thoughts on having a business bank account do it yes 100% best thing I did (laughs) yeah do it 100% I would recommend um wise uh, wise is a really good online banking system that it's got a really good app it's really accessible their cards are really quick you can do international transfers you can use the card it's kind of similar to Monzo-ish but a bit more like a bank account Monzo seems to be more like a piggy bank in my opinion um it just also has its purpose but yeah definitely have a business bank account I think I the first year I did self-employed I was self-employed I didn't separate my money properly or anything and it was just an absolute catastrophe when it came to yeah and then you try and go through and look at all the expenses in amongst the tesco food shop the fuel the the whatever else you yeah you're like like, just stack them off i had no expenses like (laughs) yeah definitely did (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. definitely do it just makes things easier and i am all for an easy life preach um being nosy what do you think you would be doing if you weren't doing what you are now trying into a corner somewhere live with a lack of purpose um I would probably still be teaching to be honest I loved lecturing I really did um so I'd probably still be doing that and I I would still be enjoying myself to some degree probably (laughs) which is not wildly different but hey that's the reality what would you be doing I so I when I went down the the PT route it was when I had done my I'd done like a massage course and that kind of ignited that oh I really like anatomy and physiology and and all of that but I actually did my massage course because I wanted to move into learning to do it on horses um no so I might be doing that yeah (laughs) wait hold on massaging of horses is the real job yeah 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 so they are are athletes no I guess so but Mm -hmm. I I guess I would have assumed like a vet would do that but I don't know why vets have got better things to do no vets are vets are doctors aren't they well, they're not me, they're vets, but I see your point. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, they're the equivalent. They can diagnose, but they're... You're right. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Gosh. So there we go. <laughs> that's just made me have a throwback to the story of this girl at school and a horse that's actually not appropriate to see on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Okay. How to acknowledge with an open heart... Oh. They have confidence within your ability to increase your price. I appreciate it will feel uncomfortable and a big challenge, but any advice on how to increase without my vagina recoiling so that I don't do it? I would say, what's the, like, let your vagina recoil. It's very good for your pelvic floor. What a visual. <laughs> no, I mean, you don't even know the visuals that's going on in my head after the story that just came into my head. <laughs> the wild time in mine yeah I mean it is just one of those things that you feel the fear and do it anyway um and then when you do it you're like oh why didn't I just do it sooner yeah and I do I think you really have to just think about value 
your value and ultimately like if you want to have more impact you need to succeed in business and you're not going to succeed in business if you're charging 50 pounds a month not that you are obviously person who asked this question (laughs) go for it um how do you know when's best to post on social media and how to not get caught up in the potential lack of engagement we kind of tie in together in the sense of stop stop overthinking it I, I saw a post the other day from Holler Academy I think it was who does some nice content around social media stuff I think it was her anyway and um it was a map of the world and it had times it was best to post in different countries according to the algorithm and I swear did you see this the UK was something like three in the morning and I was like yeah and I was like wait what what makes I bet some people get up at three o'clock in the morning to do it but no the the, the most important the the key time is a time that you can do it and that you can engage beforehand and afterhand afterwards and <laughs> um that is the key time and ideally look we don't know if the algorithm likes consistency but usually it's a good idea to be consistent at a roughly time usually i'm like okay seven seven twelve and five is usually times when people might be more likely to be on their phone and i base that off you know when i looked at my you can look at your insights and you can look at when people are most active times it's always worth looking at that anyway um and then after that what time do I have you know if if I've got meetings between 10 and 3 p.m I'm not going to post at noon when I can't reply to comments because what you want to do before you post is reply to any comments on previous posts and then post and then engage with people afterwards in an ideal world not you don't always have the time for that for sure I definitely don't do that every time but in an ideal world you would um so that wouldn't be ideal time for me so I should probably just do it at the end of my meetings for example um but don't overthink the algorithm honestly it's completely it's kind of outside of your control unless you want to waste hours of your life looking at these social media markers and taking on every single piece of advice that they can that they give I think that is useful to follow those types of accounts because sometimes they'll give you like a wee hint of like a new Instagram hack that you didn't know or something and you could be like oh great I could do that but realistically some of these accounts are like make your stories look nicer with this 24 step guide to do one story that people will see one time and it just is like no I'll take a picture of a sunset and I'll put some writing on top of it because I've got better things to do to serve the people that I want to help than concern myself with how acutely aesthetic this tiny little thing is so don't overthink it some days your reach will go down some days your reach will go up if you launch anything your reach will go down and there are certain strategies you can do to help manage that in terms of giving out free value giving out free content um those things are really important to do as well but beyond those things it's like what's within your control and what do you just have to let go it is just keeping consistent at it isn't it regardless like even if you are so on it with the times that you post and like you can think it's a really good post and then Instagram just doesn't like you for whatever and it's like okay let's not get disheartened we'll just keep doing it because eventually I'll be rewarded yeah one thing I would say though is sometimes people are like oh I've been shadow banned oh my engagement's crap sometimes your posts are crap and and I, and I say this I say this that not most people that I listen to this but sometimes I'm like oh Instagram must be hiding my posts and then I look at the post that I've done and I'm like I'd hide that post too it's crap so I think look be honest with yourself and think 
okay, just because you've put an hour into post doesn't mean it's good. You could do a really good post that you've done in five minutes and just happen to hit the spot. Um, so it's not about time spent. It's like, okay, does this does this post solve a problem? If no, then that's probably why it's not got engagement because you've tried to be informative. You're giving out information that people don't want because you just want to talk about the information that you want to give or it's it's not a problem that your audience have. And it's all about learning, right? Um, and of course, like, like we said, sometimes the algorithm does screw you over for sure. But it's always a nice reflection point. And I think, okay, well, would I, is that a good post? Mm, no, okay, what would I change? Okay, great. That's how you deal with algorithm rage, in my opinion. Okay. Uh, is it me? Oh, it's you. Yes, me. it is you. Sorry. Yeah, you will be. Myself. You will be. Went to London for potentially the worst fitness expo I've ever been to. But it was fabulous to see um, some people, including Emma, um, and some other people meet Oh wait, and meet other cool coaches and nutritionists. I always come away feeling a bit shit, like I could have been more outgoing, talkative or sociable. I really struggled to make conversation and I know it's massively holding me back from making working connections, friends, relationships, actually speaking to the man in the gym I'm obsessed with. I'm trying to set this as a habit forever. She's not doing it. In my head, I still have the message I grew up with of don't speak unless spoken to. And that's why, and that why the hell would anybody want to talk to me? I know I'm massively holding myself back, but also I really struggle to actually maintain or start conversations because of the way I think about the experience that is talking to me because I am so awkward. I think I'm over it on Instagram and my stories because people can unfollow me and just sink off into the abyss without me knowing. But I worry that in person, it would look a lot like judgment or rejection. And that's really scary. Do you have any tips for not being socially awkward or making conversation? I feel like I'm asking a great person. I mean, I have no tips for the awkwardness. I mean, I think it's one of those things that you just have to own. And I'd say, I'm sorry, I'm painting you in the same brush. I'd say we've got pretty good at owning our awkwardness and just learning to be at peace with that. But I wonder whether you can begin to approach these things like particularly at the events with more of a business mind in okay well actually building these connections yeah it's going to help me in terms of relationships but I'm networking with other people and that opens up a whole new load of opportunities so I'm doing myself a disservice by not starting up these conversations or not being open to having these conversations and telling myself this story that I'm not interesting, that I'm awkward and that nobody wants to speak to me. And like, I've certainly done it in, okay, well, maybe I'll have a few conversation starters that I can just like, and it doesn't have to be about anything in particular. It might be like the slightly mundane, but it feels safe to just open a conversation and see where it leads and having like almost a few prompts that you can go into these things thinking about um and just seeing where it goes and making sure you're using all of those tools to kind of help keep you feeling calm and so you're not getting so in your head Mm. and I mean look we kind of over explain ourselves and we shouldn't in the sense of when I went to my first IFS, I said to some people that I'd just met, 
oh yeah I'm socially awkward like I'm I'm not I'm always I'm always awkward in these situations and I said it I think immediately on the first conversation with a couple of people that I met at IFS and then you know we were chatting after it and one of the guys was like you're not socially awkward like why do you say that and I was like because I, I am and I feel it and then I thought this is similar to myself <laughs> yeah but this is similar to when when people say before they do go to a social event oh I've gained weight just so you know or I don't feel good about myself just so you know because you get ahead of the game because you'd want to stop perceived judgment and I realized that and I thought that's that we shouldn't have to explain ourselves for showing up as authentically that's who we are but just because we worry that people won't like it we get ahead of it and when we identify with it and then we make a big deal out of it and and instead of saying okay well this is my authentic self I'm not going to apologize in advance for being socially awkward I, I just that it's not even socially awkward it's just that socially we're just not as loud speakers and we don't make as much good shallow conversation or stuff what's it called like small talk we're not very good at that can't even remember what it's called and that but that's nothing that we have to over explain like, that's not the other way is not better it's just different and I think that's one thing of saying like there's nothing wrong with being a bit socially different to someone else personally I love people who are a bit more introspective and introverted and quiet especially at events and stuff because I feel like they match my energy and I think that's a beautiful thing and I would love to be around people like that at events who are calm and mellow and you know can just happily stand there and look around and like great because I actually would love to have a bit of peace at events like that um so one why are you framing it as a negative as a negative thing and two I honestly do think there's a lot to be said for game face I show up to these events authentically myself but with an armor and I and I won't apologize for the armor that I have on me at all those times and it's an armor of confidence and it's an armor that reminds me to make eye contact when I'm having conversations with people I'm always saying to myself make eye contact make eye contact all the time even if I'm smiling and chatting away I'm like remember to make eye contact or smile or do these things that is my armor and that doesn't that's not inauthentic that is okay, for me to show up and do my best and to make people feel safe in my presence and to make people feel that they can share with me because I want to connect with them because that's an important value for me, this is how I have to show up. And that is why at the end of an event, I come home, I close my curtains, I order a pizza and I don't speak to anyone for 24, day, 24 hours. <laughs> 24 sorry, days, days. Sometimes. <laughs> so, yeah. Because the armour then has to melt away and that's okay. So uh, there's a lot of reframing I think that you can do. Um, find this one any advice on keeping a business going when you're trying to figure out where you now sit at a dinner table or what, what do you mean in terms of where she now sits within the industry uh, so she's recently joined us for mentoring having come from different mentorship program where it's very much Forced, like the transformation and the heavy focus on fat loss and we're having conversations in terms of who she actually wants to help and that middle ground with it all mm. and just feeling a little bit uncertain right now enjoy it and and that's the that's the number one thing so many of people that we mentor come to us from similar backgrounds and want to become to support relationships with food and body image and things like that and every single one of them within a few months of 
but if that of working with at least with me and I'm sure you've had similar conversations they say I finally feel like I know what I'm talking about finally feel like I love to talk about to market I love to, I'll happily talk about what I do all the time they're not stuck so much for content although sometimes because they're human um and it's a great transition that you're on so one amazing that you realize what your values are and what aligns with like what actions align with those um enjoy getting curious about it and I think it's similar to when you get started like don't worry about getting stuff wrong with this sort of side of things people are always worried about oh what if I in fact I just had a call before this podcast what if I do harm with a social post it's like realistically it's not or your responsibility is to do your best and talk about things that you think can this help one person um and accept that people are not going to see it for very long and some people won't like it but there's no if anything it's not a time to slow down your business or keep it going now is the time to project and to go right amazing I can talk about stuff that I love I'm learning new things I'm probably going to get them some things wrong some things won't resonate what you'll probably find is that you'll lose some people that used to really love your content they'll probably disappear but you'll also gain new people and this is an amazing time to really push it and cultivate new connections and relationships with people and that's all you're doing it's, it's not a time to kind of go oh I need to try and tick this over whilst I find whilst I kind of establish this new thing you are now establishing a new thing this is now so how are you going to do that and, and like I said just have fun with it mm. and I think with that uncertainty around kind of where you sit right now like use this as an opportunity to see how it feels posting different things towards different different people and what's going to help them and what actually you feel most kind of aligned to because it might be there's still some kind of should be doing from previous experiences but equally there might currently be what I should be focusing on and actually you need a bit of a, a mix of both mm. Is there anything you found particularly helpful to remain connected to the process of business growth when it feels challenging through the seasons? I mean, I think it's like any goal and and remembering your why and accepting that there's going to be really high highs and equally probably some really crappy lows but actually if you're doing what you love and have that sense of purpose in what you do just being able to accept that there's going to be these times and just like everything it's transient and so long as you are continuing to put up the, put in the work and show up for yourself and for your business that it's going to feel different again soon mm. ultimately a lot of our happiness comes from achievement and there's nothing wrong with that and a lot of our sense of self and self-efficacy um self-worth all these things rightly or wrongly come from accomplishing and overcoming however you want to phrase this you a lot of our joy comes from the journey and our journeys include really challenging times when you reach a point that will be transient because it will get hard again 
But where you when you reach a point where you are um, earning what you want to earn, having the impact that you want to have, and and for that short period of time before you want something else, um, you feel content. You'll think, oh my god, that was I can't believe I did all that. How incredible! And you know that feeling. Think about a time where you overcame something that was really really hard, and then think now of how you feel about that and how proud you feel of that. And I like, I mean. I think always think of 2020 and I think that 2020 as a whole broke me down into smithereens and then I read that book when things fall apart is it when things fall apart yeah and then I read this the concept of the phoenix rising so you know we're all phoenixes and things can be really really hard and break us into smithereens and you know turn us to ashes and then eventually we arise as a golden phoenix and soon you will be your golden phoenix. Um, but uh, but I, and and I and I look back at that and I think I'm grateful for that hap- for all of that happening now. And I never thought I'd get to there because I think it's changed the way that I do things a lot. It's changed a lot of my things in my personal life. It's changed the way I view things. Um, it's changed my empathy towards people. And the same goes for you. Like this is this challenging time for you, but it, it's transient. And you'll be like, oh my God, look at me. Like I continued to work through that when it was really, really hard. Like I am the shit. And that's a good feeling. And also that won't last long. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think we really need to have a niche? I feel my coaching is maybe too broad because it's just holistic and I don't have a set niche like menopausal women, for example. A niche is not a type of person. A niche is a problem. Um, yes, you need to have a niche. Because how do you expect to speak to people when you don't know what problem that you're solving? How do you know what words to use, which language to use, um, which method of communication to use? Um, yes, you need to have a niche. And I think people sometimes worry about being too niche. But if you think about what you're trying to do here, you're not creating something and then finding the people that want it. You're listening to the people that are speaking to you and connecting with you. And this is why conversation is so important. And then delivering a product to the people that you already know need that product. You are creating a solution for the people that you want to serve. Uh, But the only way to do that is to continually have conversations with people. And, And think about like, you need to just know what impact you want to have and you need to know who you're speaking to. Um, when I first started ETPHD, well, before I even did ETPHD, when I was just myself and I started, I never knew that I was, that we would take the direction that, we now, that we're now in at all. I would write authentically about my experiences and then certain voices would come and speak to me and say, this really resonated. And I thought, oh, interesting. I'll talk more about that. And that was where my niche then developed from. Um, So yeah, like have conversations, keep having them. Because look, the world now is full of people with quote unquote who do quote unquote relationship with food coaching. The world is full of people that listen to this podcast, listen to ETPHD podcast, then take snippets and put it onto their own and pretend it's their own stuff. That's all totally fine. Like genuinely, that's actually totally fine. Because... 
because everyone has their own voice and when we're speaking we're speaking to the people that like right now to you because we know you want this information um if someone then takes this information and uses it for their own people it's not going to work particularly because they're not speaking to the same people they want you know every personality is different and so everyone attracts slightly different people um I think like try and think try to think less about imagining I am a menopause coach and start thinking about what problems am I solving and what posts, what pieces of content um are people saying, I relate to this. This is me. It's like you're in my head. That's your niche. That problem, that is your niche, not a woman who is between the ages of 40 and 55 and has children and is a successful busy mom. Um, oh, it's me. It's me and I've lost my place. Okay. I've noticed that I don't have boundaries with social media. Do you time block when you're going to do stories, etc.? I don't. I don't. I have to be intentional in like for example I know Monday is my busiest my busiest day so when I have a break I will do some stories or I'll have my post ready to go and likewise if I know that I've got a day that's busy on calls I'll try and do some bits around it but I think we can fall into overthinking and curating it too much whereas I like for me just being able to go oh, do you know what that's something that I want to share whether it's come up in clients or whether it's I'm out on a walk and it looks really nice and I'm having a mindful moment that's the stuff I want to share because I want people to get to know me and not feel like that it's overly thought and and a bit naff in that sense what a great word what a great word naff I might start using that again like a lot um I agree a story doesn't a story takes two seconds and then I mean look if you're going to have a a rant or you have an opinion or a thought it's probably because in that moment you've had the opinion or the thought so then record yourself had this opinion or my thought xyz blah 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 done a minute two minutes you don't have that much time on stories they time you for goodness sake and then that's it. I think the problem is like when you're getting distracted from other things and then doing it. So for example, if I'm out for a walk in the morning and I'm putting on my social media, I'll still not use my phone until I'm at the woods and then I'll do a story and then I'll put it away again. And I'm quite intentional with that for sure. Um, but it shouldn't be taking it that long unless you're going back and watch, re-watching yourself or watching like your viewers and stuff like that, which is not something that you want to be doing. Um, and then of course, if you're doing um, client things, then yes, I will I will send myself um, screenshots of things, clients saying things, and I won't do them at the time. I'll send them to myself and then I'll, when I'm out for a walk later, I'll then put them on my stories or something like that. So I'm quite intentional with those things, but you, you can't, yeah, time blocking these things just leads to overthinking them even more, I think. Um, so this is coming from someone that's coaching and mentoring is it normal to go through the process of working on your relationship with food body and self and then not have a clue who you are 
anymore. I feel like a walking dichotomy with a very confused audience. Yes. And you probably do have a confused audience, but that's not a problem. You are flourishing into your best self in terms of your soul, in terms of your health, in terms of your business. It's a bit confusing, um, especially if you've identified as, you know, maybe a shredded PT or a bodybuilding PT or a transformation PT, any of these. I don't know who asked this question, but if you if, that, if that's your background, especially or then you're trying to find a new space. Yeah, it's like the unknown. You're like, I don't really know how to articulate myself. I don't really know if this is the right thing to say for my audience anymore. But again, think about, again, like, you know, who you want to help, what type of problems that you want to solve with that. And and this is a lovely time to express the, the journey that you're going on yourself. And sometimes it's useful to look back on it and talk about things afterwards if you if you struggle with, you know, oversharing and things like that, which is something you definitely don't want to do. But if you're discovering new things, then share about it. I, I built my entire business on going, mm, what what happens when people extreme diet? I'm going to go and look at the research and talk about it as I as I learn these things myself. Um, so there's nothing wrong with doing a version of you know your own story, and you will again you will lose people for sure, but you will find the right people, and the right people will find you if you're consistent with it. Mm. I think we get so worried, you know, a bit like what we were saying about like kind of overly curated and we get so worried about the messy and yes, your social media is there for your business and to help you grow your business, but it's also there for you to show yourself. And this is part of you learning and unlearning all of these sorts of things and allowing a little bit of vulnerable like you said being mindful of the oversharing side of things but allowing yourself to be vulnerable and allowing yourself people to see that side of you can actually do wonders agreed okay how do you navigate content creation without becoming bland well speaking to the wrong people bland as hell not you obviously don't curate it I go through I'm I think we like we've spoken about this I'm going through a bit of a repurposing phase at the moment while create creativity is low and I'm accepting that but I also am mindful okay do I need to share a client post what have clients been struggling with this week or the conversations that I've had with people on Instagram that they might need a post that helps resonate um yeah basically don't overthink it yeah what I would also say is if you so this person has some excellent content um and that is probably making you feel like your more basic stuff is bland um but the problems that your clients face will rarely change you're going to be talking about this stuff until you never want to say the phrase emotional eating ever again and that will feel extremely bland to you sometimes when you think I've said the same thing in 10 different ways now now I need to find an 11th 
sometimes you're going to be like, oh my God, I am buzzing. I've just read this new thing about this new technique that you can use to manage emotionally. And I can't wait. I've done this really good reel. It's funny. It's engaging. I've got no spots. This is a really great day. And other days you're going to do a carousel that's like, emotional eating is this, blah, 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 whatever. Sometimes it's going to feel bland. And I think, I think it's less about avoiding becoming bland and more about accepting that social media as a business owner is seen often seeing the same thing over and over again in a different way realistically as you learn more you read more you'll bring more things in and you know there'll be certain trends at the moment where you bring those into and for sure that will add a little bit of spice to your page but the fundamentals stay the same and so I think trying to not seek too much excitement and engagement and validation not that you, you do any of these things by the way person who's asked this question um validation or um any of that sort of stuff and also ego in the sense of it can feel a little bit demoralizing sometimes when you feel like you're putting out a really really basic post and I think oh why am I still talking about this stuff and I'm like because it's important because the people that I work with need to see this stuff. Um, that's why. And I don't get that with the business side of things at the moment at all. But some of the, and not even actually with a lot of the food stuff, but some of the food stuff for sure I do. But, you know, I kind of like that's any job you're going to be able to start doing stuff with your eyes closed. And, and maybe mm. some of that's going to be social media. Do you know, you know, like the predictive text that you get when you get like the three words at the bottom mm-hmm. of when you're typing, I can literally just type UN and it will finish unconditional permission to eat for me. I don't need to do anything. And if that isn't a sign that we talk about these things all of the time, no way. I don't know what is. No way. And that's, and that's, that, that's what people will know you for too. Right. And then if you then went on social media and you were like, do you know what? You can't have this food immediate immediate incongruence immediate switch off you lose so much trust and so a lot of the stuff that you feel is bland is just nurturing your relationships and, and actually continuing to strengthen the trust that people have in what in you and your message okay one last question i am out so fire away okay any advice for sitting more comfortably with taking time off i have an innate desire to work 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 and I'm sure it's a way of validating myself to myself and being a hero but I don't want to get to 80 and think well done for working all your life so I guess how to strike the balance of play rest and work more comfortably without feeling you quote unquote aren't doing enough I used the reframe the other day with a client in the sense of well what if you started framing you're resting and you're playing as doing and putting just as much intention into that as you do with your work because you know from listening to this podcast and from working with the media that you need that rest for you for your business for your creativity all of these things but how you're thinking about rest at the moment and taking time off isn't helpful and you need to strengthen it it's like a muscle you need to strengthen you you need to do it and show yourself that you can do it and the world doesn't completely collapse to then remind you that you can actually do it again 
And you also need to do it to see that if you take, maybe sometimes you take a full weekend off, that on a Monday and a Tuesday that next week, you're so productive and you're buzzing off it and you're creative and you're like, oh my God, this is what it feels like to be rested. But you will never know that feeling if you never allow yourself to actually have that feeling. Similar to like, if you always restricted and then you start allowing yourself to feel fully satiated and energized and full and, you know, satisfied, yeah. Um, You're like, oh my God, I didn't realize my body was supposed to feel this way. And that's a really common thing you'll see with clients, right? And especially the person who asks this question. I see this with clients a lot. And it's like the same goes for rest. You don't realize how incredible your brain works and how incredible it feels to be rested until you allow yourself to actually rest. Um, And I think always thinking about your future self. Something changes in your 30s, at least it did for me, especially my mid-30s, where I thought, uh, not thinking about myself when I'm 80, thinking of myself when I'm 40. And think, oh my God, I gave away my therapies when I was like, I had so, I had no, no dependence, like no children, like none of that stuff. I could work anywhere. And what? I sat in Austin and worked seven days a week and didn't go out paddleboarding when I could and didn't go out with my boyfriend when I could. Didn't like, I'd be livid at myself at 40 if I hadn't done that. Not because 40 is old, just because it's, it's the further you think of someone, like the older self you think of, the more likely you are to see that person as a stranger. You see your person yourself six months in advance as yourself, but I think I think it's six months, and then beyond that, you start to see yourself as a stranger. So it's very hard to do things for your future self. But think of yourself. Okay, think of yourself in January right now. Okay, you start the new year. How do you want to finish this year? And how do you? What do you not want to feel in January if you've? And then think how does that impact your time? Okay. Fabulous. Great questions. Keep them coming. Thank you so much, Anna. Thanks.